Let's go to the Lord in prayer, church. Father, we delight in your goodness. We delight in the truth that you are the king. Lord, stir our hearts to recognize you as not only king of the universe, but king of us. Help us to know that you rule and reign, and you rule and reign in us. Open our eyes this morning, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to the Lord's Supper after the message today, is that all right? So, I went to a football game last night. And a kingdom fell. Last time that LSU beat Alabama at home at night was the year that the man walked on the moon, 1969. I wasn't the only one at the game last night. 2,000 of my other friends were there, mostly my friends. But what many of you may not understand is uh, college football has become empires around this country. And if you have any doubt, you look at the money and the resources that are poured into each kingdom in each state on each campus, and you will not be surprised. Last night, uh, LSU had invited people to come to the game, special people. In fact, people they hoped would be converts to their kingdom. They call them recruits, but you can call them maybe kingdom comers. Uh, Not five recruits, not even ten recruits, or... 20 or 30 or even 40 recruits, but around 55 recruits, even as young as graduating in the class of 2026, were brought in officially by the kingdom of LSU to try to get them to be part of their army in order to conquer teams like Alabama or next week. Arkansas. College football has become kingdom versus kingdom in order to raise that trophy at the end of the year to say we are the sovereign and we ruled over everyone. And if we're not careful, our allegiance can become unto the kingdom. The Houston Astros last night won the World Series. Kings of the MLB. If we're not careful, our allegiance may lie places they don't need to lie. This morning as we talk about kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, but there is one king who rules over them all. Uh, I invite you to turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. And uh, we discuss the... The dream of Nebuchadnezzar, the interpretation of Daniel, and the king that matters. This morning we're going to focus um, primarily 
on the kingdom of Christ and what is our involvement and what is it that we know and don't know about the kingdom of Christ and why does that even matter? Uh, So I'm I'm looking forward to that. As we do that, as you turn to Daniel chapter 2, let me read to you what we're nearing the end of, the verse of the year, together in 2022. We did it last week. We did it last Sunday night. We were together. We proclaimed Christ Jesus as Lord. We continue to proclaim him tonight. Um, I'm praying and hoping we'll have guests on our campus to learn about computer security and also hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. First John chapter one. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. May we have fellowship with the Lord, our God, Jesus Christ. Last week, we opened up with the illustration of Narnia and another kingdom, uh, with there being uh, a kingdom that is uh, within a kingdom, if you will. And that to enter into the kingdom of Narnia, you had to go through this wardrobe and there was an entire kingdom. But the ruler was not a faithful ruler. She was the white witch and ruling things in a bad way. But the king was coming and the king would thaw the kingdom and restore it to a rightful order. There was a rebellion in the kingdom, but the king was coming to set everything straight. And that parallels uh, in Lewis's mind what we live in. That there was a rebellion in the Garden of Eden by the serpent, by the snake, by the one who, who tempted. And the fall of man became a reality. And the kingdom is in a distorted state right now. We have glimpses of glory and, and great tragedy. But the king is coming again. The king has come. And the king is coming again to restore what we had in the beginning. And that is rightful relationship with God in all of his creation to live for all eternity with him. And as we prepare for that, we prepare our spirit for what Jeff read this morning, the the perishable meeting the imperishable. So with all that as a preface, let's look at verse 44 of Daniel chapter 2. And in the days of those kings, of those kings, the ones in the statue, remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the statue with different metals and materials in them. They were pointing to different kingdoms that would rise and kingdoms that would fall. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, specifically here in the Roman kingdom. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. In other words, God is going to set up a forever kingdom because he's a forever king. Continuing on, it shall break in pieces all those kingdoms and bring them to what? To an end. In other words, one kingdom will be authoritative over them all. It will bring them all to an end and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone and that stone represents the rock of Jesus Christ. And just as you saw a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces 
the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. Again, Daniel's looking in the future for the great stone coming from the mountain of God that will crush every other kingdom in its path, that will rule and will reign. But there is a season in which the other kingdoms will rule, will rise and will fall. There is a season in 2019 when LSU ruled over them all. And then came 2020. And somebody else ruled over them all, Alabama probably. Then came 2021 when Georgia ruled over them all. And now we're in 2022. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, but there is one Lord over them all. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Daniel dreamed about our day. The day when Christ would be ruling and reigning. We spent the year of, I believe it was 2019, as a church studying the kingdom of God. So this will be somewhat of a review for many of us. But some of this goes back to what we learned a few years ago. And can somebody help me out? What, what did we define throughout the year as the kingdom of God? God doing what? Oh, wonderful. We have some newcomers, so I'll say it with my voice. God ruling and reigning in the hearts of his people. What is the kingdom of God? It's God ruling and reigning in the hearts of his people. It is a spiritual thing. There is a, his spirit of God is ruling in us, in our hearts, if you will, the way we think about it. But God is ruling and reigning in the Christians, in Christian people. And there's a spiritual kingdom that transcends them all. You walk through the wardrobe and you see an entire another kingdom that we exist in. And there is one king in that kingdom, and his name is Jesus. And he will come back, and, and, and the wardrobe as we live in now partially, and we live outside partially, he will come, and he will come out of the wardrobe. And he will enter again into the physical world, recreate that, and all will be made right once again. You see it? You see C.S. Lewis's vision of things? The king is coming. The king has come, and he will rule, and he will come again. So this morning, my goal, this is going to be a little different, is that we discuss some things about the kingdom this morning. Some things that I think will be helpful for us to think about. This somewhat foreign idea of what is the kingdom of God It's God ruling and reigning in the hearts of his people. It's God doing what he does in his people. That's us. And so God has rule and authority over each one of us in every day of our lives. In in parenting, in, in retirement, in teenage years, in school, God rules over it all. And there's no instance in which we can say, God, this is mine. It is, Lord, how can I use this for you? I am yours. And so when you come a Christian, you are surrendering all of the authority over each of the areas of your life. And you bring it to the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm yours now. Use my stuff, my tangible things for the kingdom of God. So let me get to a few points. The kingdom of God. 
It is only for believers. And this will be one. If you're going to take notes, I'm just going to give you bullet points this morning. The kingdom of God is only for believers. Look at John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is what? Born again. Unless he's born of the Spirit, as he says a couple of verses later. Unless there is a spiritual birth, you cannot be part of the kingdom of God. You can't see it. You can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. You don't love it. It bothers you. Why are these people believing these, this thing about Jesus? Why are they acting this way? I'm just going to be critical of them and, and I'm not going to like them or I'm going to ignore them or let them do their own thing. But I don't understand it. And, and the answer is that's right. Because it's not something you understand unless you are born again and you say, oh, wow, I know who Jesus is. Yes, and I am surrendering to him because I know beyond the shadow of doubt he's real, he's the king, and he has saved my soul. And you just don't understand it if you're not in the kingdom. It is for believers only. Secondly, it has come upon us. It is here. Matthew 12, 28. But if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, which Jesus was doing. Remember, they're arguing. They're saying, no, you're casting out demons by the power of the devil. And Jesus said, look, if I'm casting out spirits by the power of God, then something has happened. What is it, church? The kingdom of God has come upon you. It's, it's here. And he invited people to come into the kingdom. John chapter 10. If you were in my class years ago as we studied, you probably remember that's the shepherd's crook. John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the door or I am the gate. The kingdom has come, but, but not everybody's in it. There's a, a fence. It's not a universal kingdom. But there's an invitation. And Jesus said, come to me. And Brother Tommy reminded the men of this a couple weeks ago. Come to me, all you who are weak and burdened. And I'll give you what, men? What do you say? Rest. I'll give you rest. But there's not, you don't come on your own terms. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the gate. You come through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the entrance to the kingdom is to submit to the king and enter into the kingdom. Jesus says the kingdom is here. It has come upon us. Now, I remind you in the Lord's Prayer, and I may have done this recently, but y'all help me out. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's next? Kingdom come. And if we are truly praying that, Christian... If we, if we pray the Lord's Prayer, not just recite it, if we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying that God's kingdom come. That means it continue to come and grow like that leaven, yeast making its way through the, the lump of dough, like that tree growing. Your kingdom come, Lord. May it grow. May it increase. And then what's the next line? Yeah. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. As we, as we pray and execute the kingdom of God, 
then his will is going to be done more and more here on earth. Because we, his people, are doing his work. To the work, to the work. The kingdom is only for believers. The kingdom has come upon us. The kingdom is not of this world. It's it's not of the spirit of the age. I've tried to communicate this over the years. I hope this is helpful to you. We live in a world where there are there is more than one voice. And when I say voice, I mean more than one agenda. More than one prevailing worldview. And I believe that there are, there are spiritual powers at work. And when the Bible speaks of authorities or rulers, it speaks of, of spiritual powers that are, are speaking a voice. And there are many voices we can listen to. And you can think about it like a radio station. You tune in. Last night we were on the way home from the game and we were trying to listen to the the follow-up, um, the, you know, the stats and stuff after the games. I like that kind of stuff. I'm a nerd. And uh, we turned on the radio, and I put on 98.1, uh, but I picked the wrong 98.1. I didn't realize this. There are three 98.1s now. I don't know. It's like different channels of 98.1. And I picked the wrong one, and they were talking about the World Series. I'm like, what are they doing? I don't want to hear about the World Series, even though I was glad. But I didn't want to hear about it. I wanted to hear about the football game. And then... They started talking about politics. I'm like, I don't want to hear about politics. I was on the wrong channel. There are voices going out. And unless the Christian is in tune to the right channel, we're listening to the wrong voice. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It's not of the spirit of the age. It's not the, of the God of this age who has blinded unbelievers. The Spirit of God is, it's a spiritual kingdom now. It will be a physical kingdom forever when he returns and reestablishes it here on the redeemed earth. All right. I wrote this in my notes last night. Going back to that illustration that universities have kingdoms. They want to recruit people to be part of their kingdom and to be warriors And to battle. And they use social media to promote. Look what we've done. Look what we can do. Here's what I wrote. CEOs want kingdoms. Sports teams want kingdoms. Pastors want kingdoms. Politicians want kingdoms. They're everywhere. Be on the lookout, friend. Brothers and sisters, be on the lookout. There are kingdoms everywhere of the spirit of this age. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. All right, next. Kingdom's not of this world. The kingdom has come upon us. The kingdom is only for believers. Look at Romans 14, verse 17. The the kingdom transcends. The kingdom transcends. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not the the things we eat, the things we drink. And you can go look at the context of this, Romans 14, the eat, the 
uh, meat and idols and, and these types of things. But he's saying it's, it's not about the, phys- the tangible physicals. That's not the ultimate portion. But of righteousness, peace, and help me out, church, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's not about the, the tangibles so much, and not that those don't matter at all. I'm not saying that, please. Don't hear that. But ultimately, if you eat this or you drink that, that's not the main thing. The main thing is that it is righteousness. It is joy. It is, it is peace. The things of the Spirit of God. It's the things that lie under that. How are you eating? In what attitude are you drinking? Why are you strengthening yourself by working out in the gym? How are you, with what attitude do you give your money in church? Or give your money to hunting or fishing or disc golf? It's the underlying. Why do you want your children to succeed? Why? It's the things under that that the kingdom of God is more concerned about Because in our heart, we can do all those things in the wrong way or in the right way. It transcends the things that we do. It's not the things we do, but it's how and why we do the things that we do. That's the kingdom of God. So as you're thinking about it, I'm married. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. Why am I submitting to my husband? Why am I loving my wife appropriately? Not just am I, but why? And for what end am I doing these things? That's the kingdom of God thinking that we need to be thinking about. We are in it now. This is important. Sometimes we just neglect that. We get distracted, y'all. We do. The kingdom transcends things, and we need to remember, next bullet point is, we are in it now. We live in the kingdom, we exist in it. Uh, Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. We should get an amen right there, right? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Not will transfer us, but has. And so, Christian, remember, you are in a new domain. You have a new king. You have new life. You are a new creation. Let's say that again. You live in a new realm. You're in the wardrobe now. You see it. You know it. You're existing there. You have a new king. You answer to somebody new now. You have a new life. You've been given spiritual life. You are a new creation. You don't do the things that you used to do. You are new. So we don't live like we did pre-Christ. How do you know if you're a Christian? How do you know? Because you are not the same as you were before you became one. That makes sense. I've said this over. I'll say it again. 
If you are a Christian, you know you're a Christian. Because you are different. You know. And that's not to say we never question things. I'm not saying that. But if you cannot settle, am I? Am I? Then just look back and go, am I different than I was before I committed my life to Jesus? And you will know. You will know that there's something alive in you that's drawing you to Jesus. I was fishing one time with Steve Galato. And I'm like, man, you're catching all these fish and I'm not. What's going on here? I said, how do you know that there's a fish on your line? And he goes, man, I don't know what to tell you. There's something alive on the end of the line. And I know it. There's something alive on the end of my line. I was like, something alive. It might be tugging. It might be gently swimming inside. But there's something alive. Christian, there's something alive in you. It is the Spirit of God. And He is drawing you to Jesus. And He's made you alive. And you believe and you trust and you want to submit to Him. It's kind of like that whole marriage thing. A godly wife desires to go to her godly husband and live in partnership and submission to him. A Christian knows, I love God. I want to submit to him. I, that's what I want to do. And the other struggle, but at the end of the day, I want to please God. That is when the, the spirit has, has ruling over you. That is being in the kingdom of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. I just love that. God has made you a new creation. Christian, live in it. All right? Y'all still with me? This is kingdom stuff. I, I know this is hard to sometimes fathom, to comprehend. But we have to know that there's somewhere else we need to be other than just in this world's stuff. Great game last night. We loved it. That's not why I live. Right? I mean, you shoot a big turkey this season. Clay, where are you? I mean, you shoot, Matt, you shoot a big turkey. Matt, it's awesome. But it's not why you live. You live for the kingdom. Let me give you a couple more verses. We'll wrap up. Hebrews, uh, this is good. Y'all check this one out. All right? it, not a po- super popular verse, but got some great stuff in it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. Check this one out. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Shaken. Now, let me give you context real quick of what's going on in Hebrews. Hebrews is before the big shake was going to happen. Hebrews was written before the temple and all of its structures were destroyed and there would never be temple worship again. Okay? And he's talking about this and he's saying, look, it's coming. Things are going to be shaken and you're going to know that God has placed his judgment upon the old system. It's, it's fulfilled, it's gone. And God has instituted a new covenant, Trinell. And that's where we live. Listen. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. 
God is going to come. He's going to destroy what was. And he's going to put the spotlight on what is. That's right. The new covenant. Spotlight the new covenant. You've got it. All right. So I'm going to end with this. There's a parable that Jesus said. With all of this about the kingdom, I want to say at the end, all right, so how do we gain entrance into the kingdom? And, you know, a lot of people approach Jesus and they had questions for him. One particular man who was a well-to-do man came to Jesus in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. And he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life. Now, what he's speaking is kingdom language. What must I do to enter the kingdom? Now, those in the kingdom of Christ will be saved from God's wrath. Those outside of the kingdom of Christ will be cast into utter darkness, Jesus said elsewhere, and they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which we talked about in our class this morning. So how do I enter into this kingdom? And let me give you what, how Jesus responded. So... Jesus' words. Here you go. Verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, uh, he said, hey, I did all these things. I, I, I keep the commandments. I do all these things. I'm a good guy, Jesus. Surely I've got eternal life. Jesus responds to him and says, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And Come, follow me. Of course, opponents of the Bible will say, well, so does that mean that we have to give everything away to get eternal life or be in the kingdom? Students of the Bible will say, well, that's not what Jesus was saying because there are often times when when he didn't call people to do that. There are many passages in the New Testament where it calls us to use our wealth and resources to do things. Nonetheless, Jesus was going after the kingdom that he was truly a part of. And that was the kingdom of luxury. He says, if you want to be part of my kingdom, you've got to leave the other kingdom. If you want to play for LSU football, you can't play for Texas A&M. You've got to forsake the others. If you want to be married to me, you've got to tell every other man no. If you want to be part of my kingdom, it's exclusive. You can't be a part of the kingdom of luxury. And why do I say that? Because I read the next verses. And he says this. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Oh, it's so hard for those in the kingdom of wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's so hard for those in the kingdom of College sports to enter in the kingdom of God. It's so hard for those in the kingdom of music 
to enter in the kingdom of God. It's so hard for those devoted to something, the career, whatever it is, to enter the kingdom of God. And then look how the disciples say it at the end. Well, then who can be saved? You've just set up impossible. Camels don't fit through the eye of a needle. It's impossible. And why do I think they were talking about the impossible? Because Jesus responds with this. What is impossible with man is possible with God. There is no way any man can come into the kingdom on his own. His own merit. His own will. John chapter 1. But it is of God. And so this morning, if you are not in the kingdom of God, I invite you into the kingdom of God. It's not that you can't get in. Remember, what is impossible with man is possible with God. It's not that you can't get in the kingdom. Jesus calls and invites you and says, come. It's that you can't get in apart from him and outside of him. So if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, if you are clinging to another kingdom this morning, I invite you into the kingdom of Christ. But you must reject your other kingdoms, your other rulers, your other authorities. You must come exclusively to Christ. And I invite you to come this morning to pray, Jesus, I want to surrender myself to you as my new king and enter the kingdom. I repent of my sin. I believe, Jesus, that you lived, that you're the son of God, that you died, and God proved that you're the son of God by raising you from the dead. And say like this, every other kingdom leads to destruction. Every other kingdom leads to a place called hell. But the kingdom of Christ leads to eternal joy, righteousness, and peace. Will you come to the kingdom? Will you come to the kingdom? Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Allow us as Christians to live out the kingdom rule, the kingdom mandate, to do the kingdom work. God, may you transform souls and draw people into the kingdom, even this morning, Lord. Lord, help us to be proclaimers, laborers in the kingdom. And Lord, may you receive all the glory and honor and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.